thanks for listening and supporting this podcast. I'm Camille Diaz, and if you are sick and tired of setting goals and not achieving them, jump on over to my website, go.optimized.zone. Enroll in my online course, Driven, and gain access to the exact formula I've used to accomplish my goals, like write a book, increase revenue, lose 30 pounds, and record over 100 episodes of this podcast. Start experiencing the joy and satisfaction that comes with achieving your goals. That's go.optimized.zone. Welcome. This is Money Heart, where we explore the emotional side of money. I'm Camille Diaz, and today we're discussing credit myths busted. My guest is Helen Arroyo. She is marketing director at Professional Negotiators, Inc., and a former banker of nearly 30 years. Helen, welcome to Money Heart. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so glad that you are here. Um, How did you learn so much about how credit works? Well, like most people, Um, Sometimes we learn by trial by fire, you know, those kids in college that, you know, get roped into getting credit cards and buying things that they don't need and kind of learn the hard way. Um, But fortunately for me, I was a banker while I was going through in college and um, I learned by helping people who had gotten into the same predicaments that I did as a kid. And at some point in my career, became a bank manager and now was accepting loan applications and unfortunately had to tell several people, I'm sorry, you're not approved. And I had to learn, you know, well, they make good money, you know, how come they didn't get approved or, you know, what happened here? You know, they were going along just fine and something happened. Mm-hmm. And um, so you just learn by um, doing. And I would sit with lenders and underwriters who kind of taught me the ins and outs so that I would be able to speak more intelligently to people and explain and then try to help them with changing um, their behaviors and learning how to go about getting approved next time. So unfortunately, Uh, We would say no, uh, but it wasn't really a no. It's just not now. How can we help you? You know, how can we help you fix this? And that's the passion that I've led with for all this time. I love that. And such a great point that you brought up right there at the beginning of getting that first credit card when you go to college and not necessarily having any information on how it works, what you're supposed to do with it, how to, you know, how to make your credit good. And you're you're really in a vulnerable spot there. I remember showing up to college in that first week, there were vendors all over the place with I was one of those vendors. You were one of those vendors? (laughs) Shapely, yes. (laughs) Credit cards, bank accounts, cell phones, like all this kind of stuff. Hey, you got to sign up for a thing. Um, and I've talked to people and we've had some people on the show say, yeah, I got my first credit card. I charged up $2,000 and I didn't even know I had to pay it back. Absolutely. I thought and it was free money. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I remember, um, you know, as I said, I was working in the bank and I remember kids, classmates of mine coming in and, you know, they had a credit card with, with the bank. We were right across the street from the university. Mm. And uh, so the kids would be coming in and wondering, you know, why don't I have money in my checking account? I still have checks in my checkbook. And oh. why is my, cr- yeah, <laughs> I got that. There's a lot. checks in my checkbook. So There's because that's, that's checkbook. how the cash works. If you have cash yes. in your wallet or cash in your purse or your pocket, you have money. Yes. So if there's checks in my checkbook, I should still have money, right? Exactly. Not, oh, wow. And yeah. I've got this credit card and, um, you know, they told me I can spend $2,000. So, uh-huh. you know, why isn't it working? <laughs> why is it no longer working? Yes. Oh my gosh. So really, um, a big education gap there in how credit cards work, how checking accounts work, you know, how this whole sort of financial machine works with money that we have, but can't see or touch it's there. And we've got to keep track of it somehow. Huge, huge stuff to to learn. And and big, um, you know, there is a big financial literacy gap in the U S you know, I, I think most people are similar to our case, like you said, where we learned in college, you know, a lot of parents, you know, learned the same way and, you know, and don't really share their finances with their kids. And it's not really taught a lot in schools. I mean, I learned something in fourth grade, how to write a check or something like that. But I mean, you know, by the time you're out there and you're 18, you don't remember that. (laughs) No, you really don't. You really don't. You're so overwhelmed with everything else that's going on. You've got this roommate you've never met. And, you know, you're probably living on your own for the first time with people you don't know. And, you know, how do I do laundry and where do I get food? (laughs) By the way, there's classes. (laughs) Right. Other priorities take over. Right. Right. Exactly. There's a lot going on. So other than needing that education piece to really understand credit and understand how it works, why do we care? Why is this even a big deal? What does credit influence so in the rest of our lives? It is a big deal because someone who, well, there are several factors that make up your, your credit score. Um, payment history is the biggest uh, of the five factors that make up your credit score. So for someone who gets a card and charges it, and doesn't pay on time, um, it could be very damaging to their score for one. But not understanding uh, what makes up your credit score can impact you because you could potentially be paying higher interest rates on your credit card. They can raise your interest rate. Um, You might get approved for the credit card, but have a ridiculous interest rate um, because of your payment history. Um, and you know, if you're in the market for a car or a house, you know, you're locked in for, you know, most people have at least a five-year installment loan for their car or 30 years for their home. Yeah. So it's not even just thinking about, well, if I buy, you know, a TV, let's say on my credit card, I'm going to pay more for that TV because my interest rate is higher. So rather than paying, you know, an extra 20 or $30 in interest, you might pay an extra 50, 100, $200 in interest because your rate's higher, but really looking at the long-term of if you buy a car and your uh, loan is for, you know, six years, you're going to pay more 
for six years because that loan rate's locked in unless you refinance. And the same thing for a house, 15, 20, 25, 30 years, you're going to be locked into a higher rate because of your credit score 30 years ago, 30 years from right. now, you'll still be paying a higher right. interest rate because of your credit score from 30 years ago, which in housing terms, I mean, that translates to tens or even hundreds thousands of thousands of dollars extra paid because of that rate that you got at the beginning. That's huge. That's, That's huge. huge. Yeah. And there's a big word. It's a really big word called amortization. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you ever look up, uh, they have calculators Yes. And if you ever look up the amortization schedule or calculator for what your loan could have been, your, your payments and interest right. could have been versus what it is if you have a higher score, mm-hmm. you can really see the difference. So it's super important to pay attention and um, know your score, maybe shop around ahead of time before you lock in and pay a lot more when maybe sometimes just waiting a couple months or even a year to get a better score would save you thousands over thousands. the long term. Yeah, because if you're thinking about, you know, over the long term, so let's say you have your house about the same as your working career, you know, you've been working a little bit, you buy a house, you're going to have that house and intend to pay it off right around the time you're going to retire. That is thousands of dollars that you could have used for family vacations. You could have used for your kids to go to school. Um, You could have used to invest in your retirement. Like this is a lot of money that probably would have made a really big difference during that time that you're paying on your home. Right. Absolutely. Wow. That's, that's what a great reason to like really be on top of this credit thing and credit scores. I mean, they, they look at that for even just renting an apartment. Yes. Things like renting an apartment, um, believe it or not, auto insurance companies look at your credit score, your credit Mm -hmm. rating, and they can sometimes charge the same person, same driving experience, but charge a higher premium for people who have lower scores um, because they consider uh, that a risk. And right. therefore, it actually does the same thing. Same. Um, your credit score gets folded into your risk classification, and you might end up being charged a higher rate if it pushes you to the next risk class um, because of all of the factors that go in. So, yeah, it does. It does make a difference in and not just when you're buying something you're thinking of, like not just when you're charging on your credit card or not just when you're buying a car. And I know um, a lot of employers also look at your credit score. So this could impact your ability to be employed or to get that job that you really, really wanted, especially in a very competitive market. Um, That employer may choose, you might have all the, again, all of the same great factors, but, um, and characteristics, but they may go with the person with the better credit score if, you know, all things being equal that was the one thing that tipped the scale. So um, there's a lot of reasons why uh, credit is, it's really important to know where you stand. Yeah, it really is. And it does make a difference. So what makes up the credit score? You said um, paying on time is the biggest one. Yes. What else gets factored in there? So when we, um, want to look at your overall credit rating. There are five factors. So payment history makes up 
35% of your credit score. So that's kind of why in the beginning I said that's probably the most important thing. And then the, the very next most important thing, believe it or not, are those amounts that you owe on those credit cards. So people have heard the term um, maxing out their credit. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that term? Sure. So that means you just charged up everything you had, right? You have a $5,000 yes. limit, you charge $5,000. Those college kids that got the $2,000 credit card and charged it all up, they maxed their credit limit. And what happens is um, they can affect their credit utilization. 30% of their credit score scoring um, is impacted because most lenders, and when they're looking at credit, want to see the utilization at 30% of the available credit limit or less. So someone who's maxing using 99, 100% is going to have a lower score than someone who's keeping a lower balance on their available credit. So um, those two factors, that's 65% right there, right there is more than right there, more than half. So they're wanting to see that you have lots of credit, but you don't need to use it all. (laughs) I know silly, right? It's a game. (laughs) But many people, you know, if you don't know the rules, you know, and how to play the game, it can really impact you. And something just as easy as, you know, knowing and keeping in mind, oh, I've got to keep this lower can really help someone. They might pay on time, but they're using a lot of the available credit. Yeah. So the next biggest thing is probably the length of credit history. That's another 15%. So I hate to keep picking on the college kids, but someone just starting out, let's say someone just starting out and getting credit for the very first time, they don't really have a history, right? There's not much to, to go by there. So they can't look at that payment history. They can't really even look at the amounts that they owe if they never owed any owed anything. So over time, someone's history, you know, is is built. Um, But there are ways that you can um, establish credit history. There's a couple of tricks in the trade. Um, I know my kid, um, when he when he went to college, I didn't want him to make the same mistakes that I did. And I actually made him an authorized user on my card. Mm -hmm. He was going to be going away to school, thousands of miles away from home. And um, that actually helped his credit because it gave him a credit history that was probably as old as he was. Right. Sure. Now, I didn't let him use the card unless it was an emergency, but it, you know, it, it did give him that, that history so that once he was able to be out on his own and finished with school, um, that kind of gave him that little boost, if you will. So that's kind of a little tool of the trade. That's a great tip to be able to do for your kids. If you have now, obviously you wouldn't want to do this if you don't have good credit, because let's not bring them down, but if you do have good credit and you're able to add them to your card, you are extending your good credit to them to kind of give them a boost at the beginning. How old do they have to be? Do they need to be 18 to have a, an authorized user on your card? Yes, I would recommend that they would be 18. Um, a lot of the uh, 
lenders or banks, bank card issuers um, may have their own restrictions. So please, you know, make sure that you check with the financial institution. And um, another thing that I uh, learned just again by trial and error is not all of them report uh, that there's an authorized user on your card. So you do want to check first um, before you uh, add an authorized user that they are going to report it to help that individual um, because yes, they would have access to be able to use that card or inquire about the card, but if it's not really helping them, maybe there's a better card that you can, you can use to do that. instead. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously you wouldn't want to give a child authorization on a card that's got, you know, a $20,000 limit and probably not a good idea (laughs) unless you really know. I mean, everybody knows their kid. Everybody knows if their kid can hang or not with, with something like that. Um, (laughs) Is it possible for them to get the card and make you an authorized user? Does it add the same benefit if it goes the other way around? Well, if they can be approved for a card on their own and um, what they what uh, a lot of creditors will do is say, well, if you have a parent or loved one who um, would want to be a co-signer with you, sometimes they would do that. So the in, in this scenario, the child would be the owner of the card and they would have a co-signer with them. But keep in mind that that now means that that child's payment history, if there's even one missed payment, is going to go on that co-signer or co-borrower's credit right. as well. Right. So being an authorized user, you know, you can kind of um, have a little bit more control and kind of accomplish the same the same thing until mm-hmm. you know that they're ready to, to really do that. To be on their own. Yeah. And I love that point because if you, and I just love to share this with people in general, if you co-sign for something, that means you are just as responsible for it as they are. And if they don't pay or if they bail or if they max it out, it's all on you. Just yep. like if it was your own card. So I love, for, I love that you brought that up so that people can kind of have that information. Cause they think, oh, I'll co-sign. I'm just helping them out. No, you're not. You're really accepting full responsibility for everything that happens with that card or that account or that loan. And if they don't do it, it's, it's now your loan or card or, you know, purchase of things that close that don't fit you and stuff that you don't yeah. want that you don't yes. have to pay for if you want you to now own that <laughs> right right it's like you didn't even get to eat at all those restaurants <laughs> and now you got to pay for that <laughs> yes. yeah 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 great great point okay anything else that goes into so I'll just cover the last the last two and they're both um 10 of your credit score so that would be the type of credit So um, here we'll talk a little bit about revolving credit, which would be credit cards. That's when you can borrow and you pay it off and you have that limit to use all over again. Um, The other type of credit would be installment type of credit, which we're familiar with, with like our car payment. It's the same monthly payment for a, a finite period of time or like your mortgage, you know, when you make that final payment, the loan is done. If you need to borrow again, you would be starting a whole new loan over again. So um, lenders do look at the types of uh, credit uh, mix, if you will, but it's only 10% of the rating. 
And then the other 10, uh, final 10% is new credit. So we talked a, a little bit about um, the, the history, but they're also gonna be looking at those new cards that are being added on, mm -hmm. which again, kind of is proportionate. You know, it will, um, if, you, if you only have one card and you had it for five years, and now you get a new loan, um, that's going to decrease your average age of your history. So you'll see a slight dip in your score, mm -hmm. but once you're making those on-time payments again, and uh, you're not maxing out that card, your score is gonna bounce right back up again. Back up. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. What about when somebody pulls your credit score? So if you're applying for a new card or you're applying for that mortgage loan, or even if you're like renting an apartment, sometimes they'll pull your score, you know, um, what does that do to your score? What are kind of the, the limits on how many times you can have that happen before it negatively affects you? Sure. So um, those are called inquiries and there's two different types of credit inquiries. So there are hard inquiries and usually those are done when applying for a mortgage, an auto loan, um, as you mentioned, like an apartment lease. Um, and those will take probably three to five points off of your score with each inquiry. So if you're kind of on that borderline between having really great credit and just very good <laughs> or very good and, you know, sure. fair, yeah. um, it, it could take you, you know, your score down a couple ticks. Um, you know, if you go to that car dealership and they, um, I don't know if anybody's had this experience. I'm one again, learned all of this. Sure. Um, you come back and you realize that your credit score has gone down about 20 to 25 points and you only bought one car. It's like, wait a minute what happened here? And so you investigate and you look and you find out you went to one dealership, but they kind of farmed out your credit report uh, to a bunch of lenders who bid for the loan. And uh, the, you know, dealership goes with the best deal, of course. But meanwhile, you know, five inquiries have occurred <laughs> for the one oh car that you bought. What I recommend for that, if you're home buying or purchasing a car, is to get in touch with your uh, mortgage lender, uh, mortgage banker, or if you're buying a vehicle, maybe getting uh, in touch with your, your consumer banker, your branch banker, and getting pre-approved first. This way you know what you're uh, able to purchase. Mm -hmm. And you kind of, it's almost like having a blank check in the hand and saying, hey, I'm approved for $25,000 for my car. Um, not to say that's all you can buy. If you've got money to put down, you can, you know, put that money down and get a more expensive vehicle, but you know, the bank is saying, we're going to give you $25,000. Now you have a little bit of a bargaining tool. And when you go to that dealership, um, you can tell them, no, 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 <laughs> I don't need approved. you to look at my credit. Here's what I, I have. You have your one inquiry and you know, you, you can start negotiating. Same thing with purchasing a home. You know, if you have that relationship or you develop a relationship with a mortgage banker, um, they can get you a pre-approval. And this way, you know, when you meet with your realtor, you can tell them I'm approved for X amount of dollars. And then they're showing you homes that you can actually afford and you're not shopping around with right. multiple um, mortgage lenders, lenders to, to yeah. get the best deal and, and lowering your score. 
Yeah, I love that concept of, you know, really knowing what you can afford and qualify for before you go in so that you're not going to end up super disappointed because you fall in love with one house or car or whatever. And then that's not happening. You right. know, it, it, yeah. <laughs> and, and it saves you time and it saves you effort. It kind of saves your emotional experience of, you know, not being continually disappointed. Well, I can't get that one. I can't get that one. I can't, you can just narrow right down and go look at the things that are inside of your budget and see, okay, this is, this is where I'm comfortable and feel really good about that purchase knowing this is, this one is going to work for me. Cause I've made that assessment up front. Um, not on the back end when you're all emotional and in love with the pool or whatever, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So I, I um, wanted to kind of segue into soft inquiries then. Sure. Um, and a soft inquiry um, is something like people have heard of things like Credit Karma, or maybe they even um, log into one of the three credit bureaus, Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. All three of them, you can uh, sign up online and you can actually view your credit reports um, before you even think about buying the car or the house or getting that credit card or business loan. And this way you kind of have an idea of what's there. And um, Credit Karma is free. Um, There's several of them out there, Credit Sesame. Mm -hmm. There's several that you can use and they actually generate a score. And so it'll give you an idea of what's on your report and basically where your, your score may, may lie. Now, each financial institution assigns their own score. This question comes up a lot, a lot. Um, so it may not be the score that that particular financial institution gives you when you apply, but what's important there is to see a trend, hopefully an upward trend of your credit score and that all of the information on that, on those credit reports is being reported accurately. So if they're reporting that you were late, or if you see inquiries that you did not do, um, you may want to investigate and find out a little bit more about what's happening there. Um, Because unfortunately we, we hear cases (laughs) like that a lot these days. There's a lot of inaccuracies. I actually saw a a news article um, a few months back about one in four credit reports has at least one inaccurate item uh, on one of the three credit bureaus. So yeah, there's, um, you know, data coming from all different places and just the three main uh, reporting agencies, and it's not always accurate. So really important to check that. Especially before you're shopping and making a major purchase. Yeah. So I actually have like in my calendar, I made a recurring event that every year it tells me, go check your credit report. Yes. I just go and I take a little time on a weekend, pull it, review everything. Did I do? Yep. 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 That was me. That was me. You know, just looking for anything on there. And when I first started doing it, I found stuff on that. I was like, why is that still there? What is this? To, like, because I had never looked at it before until I learned to do this. And yes. I saw accounts that I'd had, you know, for something that we bought, you know, one of those zero interest for whatever. And I'm like, why do I even still have that? Why is that even <laughs> still showing up on there? I paid that off three years ago. 
<laughs> so just, you know, being on top of what's on there really does make a big difference. And my score went up like crazy when I actually started paying attention and yes. stuff that was on there. Yes. Um, so yeah. What, what kind of myths do you commonly hear? You said, you know, the soft inquiries was one that people ask questions about all the time and didn't really understand. Um, what other sort of questions do you get or myths do you hear that people think is the right thing to do? And you're like, oh my gosh, that's the really wrong thing to do. That's, that's not it. <laughs> well, probably the number one thing that I hear is, and we talked about um, credit uh, the age of your credit, right? Mm -hmm. So the number one myth that I hear people say, and most of the time it's because they are thinking about purchasing a home is that, oh, I'm going to be purchasing a home. I've closed all of my credit cards. And I just kind of oh, <laughs> no. put my head down and say, okay. <laughs> I see immediate. Well, you, cause you told us that having a small percentage of what you have available used is better. So if you closed a bunch of them, you just decreased your available percentage. Just yes. Okay. And you may have lost all of that age, all the of time. that credit history. So yeah. if you've closed a card down that you've had for 10 years, you've just lost 10 years of history. Wow. as well. So that can be, you know, impactful. Um, because, again, shutting those cards down may have taken away those two big um, score factors that we talked about before. Mm -hmm. So, you know, keep your cards open. Um, there was, you know, maybe I'm dating myself, maybe more than 20 years ago, um, the scoring models for the, the lenders for mortgage loan officers was a little different. So that was the case. They mm -hmm. would tell you, they would advise you to close your cards, but those practices changed mm -hmm. decades ago. So please don't close your cards. <laughs> don't follow the old advice from yes. 10 years ago. Yes, yes. exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. The other thing I kind of touched a little bit on it is I hear, well, I, went on Credit Karma and I saw that my score is a 727. Woohoo! Good job. But I went to the bank and the bank told me I was a 689. Aren't all of the scores universal? Mm. So that's a big myth. They are not universal. So there are three different credit bureaus. Um, they each have their own different proprietary scoring. So the scores may be slightly different for each of those three. And then as I shared earlier, the lenders themselves have their own internal scoring models. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I worked at a credit union and I know that sometimes they will look at things like, well, they've been a member with us for 30 years. They have direct deposit, they have this. So for people who have that type of relationship with us, we give them an extra 10 points on their score. Right. And, and, you know, again, that would be proprietary. You would not know when you go to that particular lender, what their guidelines are, mm -hmm. but that's why you can see those, those fluctuations. So again, very important, check your credit reports, get an idea of where your scores are. And then that will kind of it, it should average itself out and you'll have an idea. 
Right. And that what a great point about having a relationship with a place that's near you, you know, if that's your bank or credit union or something like that, and doing the longevity thing with them so that when you do go in for a loan, if they have guidelines like that, that add to your, you know, factor in how long have you been a client and do you have direct deposit or do you regularly put payments and do you also have a business account with them? You know, if they look at all of those things that might help you rather than walking into a random place or just choosing something online, you know, that, that doesn't have any history with you. Um, you may do better if you've built up a relationship someplace. Yes. So I love that as a, as kind of a little side tip, you know, a to, little side I mean, tip, yeah. just something, you know, you learn again over the years and, yes. and it's, uh, very, very helpful. And, and, uh, I, I recommend people have a relationship with, with their banker. It's kind of like, you know, going to your doctor, you know, you want to make sure you, they have the full picture and can make the strongest recommendation for you. Right. Yeah. I love it. Any other myths that you're normally or regularly hearing that we might want to watch out for? And Oh, I have another good one here. So love it. (laughs) How about this one? Um, So paying off my credit card that will remove any late or missed payments I had. Right. Oh, again. Nope. That's not true. So here's the thing. Even if you pay or you close that credit card, that payment history can stay on your credit report for seven years. So if you were late or if you missed or you completely missed a payment, that's going to that's going to be on there. Now, obviously, if the account is closed, it's not going to happen again. Sure. But, um, you know, it's. uh, But it's still there you want to prevent that from happening in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So it does not go away just because the account is closed. So I do like to make sure that people are aware that, um, that, that may, may happen. Okay. So I'm thinking, you know, knowing that the regularity of the payments is such a big factor in making sure your credit score is good. I would, I would think it would make sense to figure out what your minimum payment is and set up one of those auto payments, you know, through your bank to at least make the minimum on schedule. So even if you forget, oh, I was supposed to pay that yesterday, you know, the minimum went in on time and then you can add whatever payment to that, that you want to add. Um, but at least, you know, you're getting the consistency because you've automated it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's great. You can go away on vacation knowing that you're your card payment or your credit card was paid, your mortgage was paid, and you don't have to think about it or worry about it. And you'll never have to worry about late payments. So I, I highly recommend that. And uh, yeah, that's a great, that's a great tip. Yeah. And, and I love what you just said, because you never have to worry about late payments and not only late payments, but late fees. <laughs> yes. Yes. And more uh, to pay late. <laughs> yes. You don't want to pay late and then have, you know, the late payments added on to the balance that you already have. And it just kind of compounds. So um, yeah, don't, don't get into that cycle. A a good do in this case would be to set up those automatic payments, at least for the minimum. And then you can make your principal payments at any time. Right. I love that. Yeah. You can make sure, okay, payday, I make my big principal payment and, you know, at least I know my minimum went in three days before. So I got it on time. Yeah. Right. Or you yeah. got that bonus check or, right. you know, 
<laughs> um, you can do it that way. And uh, yeah, I always recommend at least getting those payments um, yeah. scheduled. And then that's a really smart thing too. Cause like you said, you know, ideally you're going on vacation. You're having such a great time. You forgot about your credit card because, you know, we're all like working like crazy. Cause I got to get on the plane tomorrow and I still haven't packed, you know, so yes. we might forget. Um, but sometimes you get sick or you get injured or something like that happens and you know, you don't get a choice and you don't get to pre-plan that you're going to be away for a week or two. Right. So having that automated will also help you not compound a problem that you're already having, you know, oh, I got into an accident. I'm going to be out for a few days and then, oh my gosh, I completely forgot to catch up on my bills, you know, at home type of thing. So yeah, I'm so glad that you share that. It's super helpful. <laughs> I'm, I'm now reevaluating. I'm like, I think I want to do yeah. that. Just so something happens. It'll That's be covered. <laughs> So, you know, cause I'm a, Life pay it happens. Off. yeah, yeah. I'm a pay it off type of person, but you know, I might not get in there if I got really, or if something happened to one of my kids, you know, and I'm dealing with that, I'm not thinking about the credit cards do, you know, thinking exactly. about problem solving. So yeah, I love this. I'm, I'm excited now. I'm, I'm changing my, like this weekend, I'm getting in there, making sure everything's on auto pay for the minimum so that it's never a problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other myths that you hear commonly that we need to bust? So, um, yeah, I don't know if you've heard this, but people um, have come to me and said, well, I have these credit cards. I have 10 credit cards, in fact, and um, I put balance, you know, I charge something on all 10 of them because that's going to improve my credit score. They think that, um, you know, they have to have a balance on their credit cards to have a good score. And that is another myth. Um, okay. We kind of spoke about the credit card utilization, but you don't necessarily have to have balances. So you could charge on your credit card. Um, plenty of people put, you know, their regular bills on there because maybe they want to get points. I sure. do that sometimes. Love the points. Love points. <laughs> Love yep, points. All about it. <laughs> right? It's almost free money, but you mm -hmm. have to be very, very careful. Right. Um, you know, if you can, like you said, you're a paid off kind of girl. I am too. I will use those rewards cards, get the points, pay my groceries, pay my light bulbs um, to get discounts or travel miles, whatever the, whatever the case, mm -hmm. um, funky sunglasses. Yeah. Costumes, <laughs> um, I get a lot of costumes. costumes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but when that bill comes in, you know, I, or maybe even the same day, I'll just transfer the money from my regular checking account and pay that credit card to zero. So when the bill comes in, it's zero, but I've racked up all those points. Mm -hmm. um, and having zero balances on your cards sometimes will give you a higher score than having small little balances that you have to remember to pay on those 10 cards. Um, so you don't want to mess up that either. Kind of um, back to that risk thing again. If you've got a zero balance, it's less risky than if you've got, you know, 10, 25, $30 balances that you now have to remember all of them. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And it's not necessarily going to improve or lower your score. It may not. Um, but why, you know, why worry about it when you don't have to, you don't have to do that. So I have a quick question about a card thing. Like, let's say you have a card that you don't really use very often because you want to keep the, the longevity on it, but you're like, eh, it doesn't have any good points. You know, why would I, why would I charge <laughs> right. on that one when I could get points on my other one? 
So do you need to make a purchase on it every so often? Like, will they close the card for you because you didn't use it if you just let it sit there? That's happened to me, actually. Yes, there are um, companies that will close an inactive card uh, because there hasn't been any usage on it. I actually had a store card and uh, for a furniture store. So mm -hmm. how often are you buying furniture? Sure, not that um, often. And I didn't realize that they were going to do that, you know, and, and they did. And my score went down because right. of it. Because you lost right? time. You, you lost, yes, I yes. lost that history and I yeah. lost that utilization. And, um, and, you know, it came as a total, total surprise. Again, it's in that tiny, tiny fine print in those disclosures that they give you that, you oh, know, yeah. who reads those? Um, right. It's this it's big there. and so tiny. Yeah, and it's, boring. it's in there. And some places will do that. So, you know, for that reason, and it's just my own personal reason, I um, will not use store cards anymore. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a personal choice because I prefer to use the points right? Um, and don't want that to happen to me again, since I don't necessarily shop at those particular types of stores regularly. Mm -hmm. um, but for people that do want to have that flexibility and maybe do make those types of purchases often from particular stores, maybe you can make a small purchase once a year to keep mm -hmm. that card active to avoid um, that uh, store or the store's bank uh, from closing that card out on you when right. you least expect it or need it. Or need it. Yeah. You would need go, it. Go to the store and like, Hey, I'm going to put this on my store card. And they're like, sorry, that card's been canceled. You're like, wait, what? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How did I not know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So another thing to add to the calendar is like, Hey, make a charge on this card, you know, at this time, um, just so that it comes up every year and reminds you to, to try and then don't forget to pay that one because if, don't it's forget, right? the, if it's not in the regular rotation, it's really easy to forget like, oh, I, don't, I never use that card. But, you know, that one time you got to like charge it and then make yourself a new note to pay it the next month so that you remember to do that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And um, talking about store cards. So there's there's one last myth that I have. And um, so a lot of people think that getting a store branded card is different from getting a major credit card, like your MasterCard or your, yep. your Visa. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that they'll say is, um, well, those store cards, they don't report anyway. So, <gasps> oh yeah, because they don't necessarily think that it, you know, it, it doesn't, a lot of them, if you look at the physical card, um, unless you know where to look, you might not even know what bank issued that card. Mm -hmm. But the myth is, that it's not the furniture store that's issuing the card. The furniture store uses a financial institution right. um, that handles the, the lending and the servicing side of it. So those are reported. So you do have to make sure you're paying those store cards on time as well. And if they're closed, as I shared with my own personal experience, it can <laughs> reduce your availability. Right. So. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's another big tip. one. I didn't even know people would think that, oh, that one doesn't count. It's a store card. Like, no, 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 it totally counts. <laughs> right. <laughs> the same as any other. Yeah. This yeah. has been so helpful. Thank you for sharing such great information with us. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Lots of fun. <laughs> and I love spreading, spreading the word. Yes. I love it. I love it. Passionate Thank about 
if you would like to get in contact with Helen, she can be reached via email at helen.pronegotiator at gmail.com or by phone at 954-646-1172. Thank you as well to all of our listeners and viewers. I'm your host, Camille Diaz. I specialize in financial education, life insurance with living benefits, and guaranteed lifetime income. You can contact me and find out what else I'm up to through my website, CamilleDiaz.com, and follow me on social media at Cam Unfiltered. Be sure to follow Money Heart at Money Heart Show and on our website, MoneyHeartShow.com. Helen has a money mantra for us today, and so I'm going to let her tell you about it and share it. Sure. So I log on to my computer every morning, and I have a quote on there from Professor Tal. Ben Sahar, and it says, happiness is the best currency. I love that. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much.